0: Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and today we have another edition of the Team Preview Series. 32 up, 32 down. We are on to the NFC West, specifically the San Francisco 49ers. I've tried to keep these as evergreen as possible throughout the offseason, so feel free to go back and catch up on any teams you might have missed. But without further ado, your San Francisco 49ers Fantasy Football Team Preview. Starting off, the man, Jimmy GQ one of the most handsome quarterbacks in the entire national football league look he probably doesn't deserve quite as much shit as i feel like he gets around the world but at the same time he didn't exactly you know have to do enough to be viewed as you know as good of a quarterback as he's kind of been paid and kind of how he's been efficient wise throughout his career i mean look Jimmy G is one of only six signal callers in league history to average at least eight adjusted yards per attempt. I mean, you know, the New England, the brief New England stretch he had. And then, you know, when he came on strong with the uh, 49ers in those final five games of the uh, 2017 season, like this dude was legit looking like with the next big thing at the QB position. I mean, there's a reason why, uh, you know, 49ers are willing to give him that contract. But, you know, ultimately last year uh, only asked to attempt I'm sorry, he he attempted fewer than 30 passes in 11 of 19 games. You know, rarely did he have to put the team on his back. But, you know, with that said, Kyle Shanahan was pretty open that, you know, that first half of the season he was coming back from the torn ACL in 2018, and they were just able to run the ball enough that they really didn't need to ask him to do all that much. We did see, you know, games later in the year against the Saints and, you know, some of those shootouts when the defense actually slipped a little bit and Jimmy G kept him in those games. I mean, he actually had three games with at least four passing touchdowns. Only Lamar, who did it four times, had more instances of doing that. I mean, there's a low key kind of fantasy ceiling uh, with Jimmy G. And, you know, we saw what Matt Ryan did, for example, in his second season in Shanahan's system. So I think there's a chance, especially, you know, if we just see this defense, you know, aggress a little bit to more of a great unit instead of just you know a w- complete world beating scheme and then you know uh the running backs if things just go a little bit less good they might have to lean on jimmy g a little more uh, unfortunately all his receivers are so banged up you know i'm a little hesitant projecting him to really you know put together a prolific passing season but i think uh you know kind of in that draft range where he's going i'm i'm not against uh, taking a flyer on him because I do think the 49ers to have to pass a little more often than they did last year. And I think, you know, overall uh, throughout Jimmy's career, he's still been pretty much anyone's idea of an above average QB, even though he's not, you know, the elite talent that they're paying him nine figures to be. So moving on to the running back room, I think we all expect the 49ers to be a run first offense. You know, we just got to kind of keep in mind that it changes really by the week here. I mean, it was just a complete mess last year as a whole. I mean, I know injuries played a role in this, but if you just look at season-long snap counts, we had Tevin Coleman at 36%, Raheem Mostert at 34%, Matt Breida at 24%, Jeff Wilson at 6%, and the leader in the backfield was Mr. Kyle Juszczyk at 37%. So, literally a situation where we could see three to four backs involved in any given week. Obviously, Breida is now a member of the Miami Dolphins, and Jarek McKinnon, blast from the past, is reportedly healthy, and I mean, he's just earning rave reviews from training camp. You know, beat writers saying no linebacker on the roster can even stick with the guy, you know, considering some of the linebackers, the 49ers do have and their coverage ability, you know, the Fred Warner types, uh, it's, it's a pretty good compliment. So we're expecting, you know, I, I did a projected, you know, split of each backfield a few weeks ago and, you know, I have Mostert getting 45% of the backfield snaps, Coleman getting 35%, and McKinnon getting 20%. You know, that's assuming a perfect world where nobody gets hurt and all this. I mean, you know, obviously someone could could take the lead at some point. Maybe Jeff Wilson is a little bit involved as well. But, you know, they gave Mostert, they finally kind of gave in to his contract demands. Not a big one, but they gave him a little, little bonus. And, you know, everything we've seen out of camp is that he should be... They're starting back, you know, ahead of Coleman. It's still going to be a kind of a split early down committee, I think. I mean, look, Coleman had 29 carries, 220 yards, four touchdowns in the NFC Championship. And then, I mean, he only played 62% uh, snaps in the Super Bowl. So, you know, a situation where, you know, we've seen the Chiefs and other teams, you know, really lean on their uh, true RB1, you know, when the games are, when you reach a single elimination format. 49ers weren't one of them. And, you know, credit to Tevin Coleman for, you know, playing through that ankle injury. He suffered a bad ankle injury week one of the season, came back, played through it, you know, had the big divisional round game uh, against the Vikings. But, you know, just a situation where he never, he just didn't look the same as that, you know, really explosive compliment to Devontae Freeman that we saw for all those years in Atlanta. So I do think we get a slightly healthier version of Tevin Coleman. And that's why I have been willing to target him at his ADP. But the big wild card is just McKinnon. I have not landed him in any drafts. I'm skeptical that he's even going to be, you know, the same sort of player to get out there. And even if he is the same player, we're talking about the projected number three running back in terms of touches. You know, maybe with these injuries at receiver, they're forced to uh, give McKinnon, you know, this. Uh, James White or Tariq Cohen esque pass down role, but it's just a lot of projection for a guy that we haven't seen take any snaps since the 2017 season. So, you know, uh, hey, I hope McKinnon works out. You know, coming back from that type of injury, like, how can you not be rooting for the guy? But just don't see it. Uh, I see Mostert, Coleman, definitely McKinnon. I wouldn't it be shocking if Jeff Wilson ultimately uh, gets going. He was very efficient in the limited opportunities. He had last season. So this was the league's number two scoring offense last year. There's going to be plenty of production to go around in this backfield. Just kind of remains a question as to who that will be on a weekly basis. Moving on to the wide receiver groom, man. So Debo Samuel with this Liz Frank, uh, it's, it's not good. I had a, uh, you know, Dr. Evan Porras from Fantasy points on the uh, PFF pod this week. And, you know, talking about Debo Maybe he's healthy enough to come back, but you know, foot and ankle injuries like these are the these are not good. These are not what we want to uh, be having to repair because it just takes the guys a long time to get all the way back to full strength, and you know, you don't know if they're going to be sore or re-injure it or what it could be. So, I mean, Debo last year just truly the things he did as a rusher and receiver were just astronomical. Only A.J. Brown averaged more yards after the catch per reception than Debo last season. Look, some of that is certainly Kyle Shanahan, you know, skimming him to success, but a lot of it, too, is Debo just being a straight-up baller. I mean, among Among non-RBs, I mean, only Lamar Jackson broke more tackles than Debo in the entire league. So the dude was making it happen, again, as a rusher, as a receiver. They just got him the ball. And, you know, when you pull up Brandon Ayuk, their first-round rookie, you pull up his, uh, any scouting report, and one of the top things you're going to see is his ability with the ball in his hands. I mean, Kyle Shanahan truly building, you know, this army of yak monsters. Jalen Herb was another guy that was supposed to kind of be in that conversation. Unfortunately, he's already got that torn ACL. So now we have, you know, Kendrick Bourne, more or less being projected to be a number one guy to start the season. You know, uh, we got Richie James, a special teamer. Trent Taylor is more likely to, you know, get some real run out of the slot. It's just a it's, it's a tough situation to be all that optimistic about, especially considering, you know, Debo and Ayuk could be eased back in to an extent. So there might really not be a true number one wide receiver uh, on this unit. I think Kendrick Bourne is fine. You know, he was super efficient. I believe he caught... All six of his targets inside the ten-yard line, four touchdowns. So clearly, they like what he can do in the red zone. He's uh, you know made those opportunities count, but it's one of these situations where. Like, I don't see Bourne's role increasing all that much. Like, he's not going to start seeing 10, 12 targets per game. I think they have a role for him in the offense. And, you know, one of the great things about Shanahan as a coach is he doesn't ask guys to do uh, things they're not capable of doing. So, I, I just don't think Bourne's going to be kind of cast in, into the Debo or Emmanuel Sanders role. I think, honestly, we're going to see George Kittle just handle, you know, the lion's share of opportunities in this past game. And that brings us to George Kittle, who owns PFF's top two single-season marks in yards per route run over the past decade among all tight ends over the last 10 years nobody has averaged more yards after the catch per reception than mr george kittle you know my pick for just the single best tight end in the league still only 26 i have taking the leap of faith and putting him and drafted him ahead of Travis Kelsey in drafts. I understand, you know, Patrick Mahomes versus Jimmy G. We don't need to have a conversation about, you know, who has the leg up there. But I mean, if you just look at pure receiving yards over the past two seasons, I mean, look, Kelsey's got Kittle beat by only 135 yards. And the only guys with more receiving yards than those two tight ends are Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins And Mike Evans. It is truly incredible what these guys are doing. And that's why, you know, I've preached on this podcast again and again and again. You know, I I want Kittle, Kelsey, or Mark Andrews at the top of the drafts. Otherwise, I'm going late round tight end season. I just think, other than those three, uh, it's so we don't really have any clarity in terms of tight ends that are their passing games. Number one receiver, Kittle is. One of those guys. You know, that applies to redraft and best ball alike. Uh, definitely fine getting Kittle. I mean, if you start in that one spot, you know, in a prime best ball and you're able to get McCaffrey, uh, another one of those top 14 running backs in the, you know, end of round two, and then Kittle at the turn, you will be balling. Feel free to try that strategy out on Underdog Fantasy. Use code PFF for a free entry in their million dollar contest. If you win that melee, remember who sent you there. So, George Kittle, tight end one uh, Takes us to the ranks. So, at QB, I have Jimmy Garoppolo, QB21, pretty in line with his ADP. I have him ahead of Ryan Tannehill and Kirk Cousins, behind Ben Rosberger and Teddy Bridgewater. I think the volume is still going to be an issue, but I think his spike week potential is going a little bit underrated. So, Uh, you know especially when it becomes time to stream guys and you see the 49ers in a game that they might have to pass the ball a little bit more I know Jimmy doesn't give us anything resembling a a rushing floor but you know don't be shocked if Shanahan puts a little more on his plate and we've already seen him be able to put up big performances when that does happen uh Raheem Mostert I was my running back 21 one spot behind Todd Gurley one spot ahead of Le'Veon Bell Mostert's someone that's been moving up my ranks a little bit not even because of you know specific news coming out but just the the more I think about it, the more I do see him getting, you know, 15 uh, comfortable 12 to 15 carries per week. And then that offense, I mean, with the thing Shanahan consistently does in his run game, I think it's going to be, you know, more fantasy friendly, you know, 12, 15 carries per week than most guys can attest to around the league. Just worry about the overall volume available. That's why I still have, you know, Gurley, David Johnson, Melvin Gordon ahead of him. Just guys, I think, are, you know, projected for, you know, potentially 50 more touches. I mean, it, it's tough to, you know, Moster's receiving floor is just such a 0 I'm not saying he's not capable of doing it, but with McKinnon there now, it's just hard to project many, if any, targets for uh, Moster and Coleman. So with that in mind, uh, just need to knock him down a little bit below those guys who might be worse running backs, but I do think have higher target shares. Uh, Tevin Coleman's my RB32, one spot behind Jordan Howard, one spot ahead of Latavius Murray. And, yeah, I mean, I'm taking him just ahead of the kind of handcuffed tier of Murray, Madison, Pollard, and Edmonds. I just think that Coleman, you know, a lot of people didn't give him credit for playing through the injury last year. He's a better running back than we saw for most of the season. And guess what? He was still pretty damn effective and productive last year despite playing through the injury and despite giving up. Plenty of touches, so, you know, no reason to believe he won't be that 1B in the backfield. And, you know, as we've seen with Shanahan kind of throughout last year and just over the course, like, I don't think if Coleman just starts vastly outplaying Mostert, wouldn't expect to happen. But if it does happen, I don't think Shanahan's going to take too long to go ahead and make that switch. Um, Jarek McKinnon, I, I don't even have in my top 60. Again, you know, I'm prepared to be wrong rooting for the guy, but I just don't think he's someone that, you know, you should be going out there two target. If we see him get, you know, eight plus targets week one and just a true like 50%, like this is our pass down back role. Okay. We'll adjust on the fly, but I uh, I'm, I'm pessimistic that that happens. Wide receivers where it gets a little rough. I have Debo Samuel as my wide receiver, 42, one spot behind Darius Slayton, one spot ahead of Golden Tate right there in that Giants range. This is not a guy I want to reach for. I mean, I was uh, podcasting with someone that was saying, uh, they, they got him in the round 15 of a draft, like, okay, obviously that's fine. But just, I'm not using a pick before round 10 on a minimum on a receiver who, again, it's just hard to be confident in how healthy he's going to be. I don't mind taking on players. If the only thing you complain about is their injury risk, if they're healthy. But when we have a guy, you know, like Devo Samuel, that is entering the season banged up. That's when I'm taking pause. Um, Brandon Ayuk, I have now wide receiver 59, one spot behind. Justin Jefferson one spot ahead of Randall Cobb. I mean, he'd be flirting with rugs and uh, Rager territory up in the, you know, 10, 12, 15 spots higher if it wasn't for his, you know, own injury problems he's now going through. So, again, it's just, you know, I think the A.J. Green uh, lesson from last season really, you know, is engraved in my mind where I'm just not going to try to leave too many drafts with guys that are already hurt and we have iffy timetables for their return. Uh, tight end, as I mentioned, George Kittle is my tight end one, one spot ahead of Travis Kelsey. Look, Kelsey has been the PPR tight end one king for straight seasons. I just think at some point, we're gonna see him age a little bit. Tight end's one of the most physically demanding positions on the field, but what they gotta do is a full-time blocker and receiver. I mean, if there's a situation to age gracefully, it is certainly with Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs offense, but I just think Kittle, better overall player, we can, I think, confidently project him for more targets this year because of, you know, Sanders being gone, the aforementioned injuries everywhere else. I'm going with Mr. George Kittle. Takes us to the 49ers win total. And they are presently sitting at 10.5 wins. They join the Saints, Ravens, and Chiefs as the only teams in the league with double-digit win totals. I am leaning the under here at 10.5. And it's... Nothing really against this team. I still think they're fairly loaded all the way around, but you know, losing Buckner isn't great. We've already seen, you know, uh, Nick Bosa not be 100% throughout training camp. That D-line was so, so, so dominant throughout last season that I think it helped covered up some of their deficiencies elsewhere. Richard Sherman still anyone anyone's idea of a great cornerback, but there is something to be said when those cornerbacks are able to you know sit on routes at pretty much. 10, 15 yards, just knowing the quarterbacks could be on his back if he tries to take longer. I mean, I remember someone, you know, showing Sherman getting uh, just pieced up by a Stephon Diggs double move. The ball never came because Cousins was on his back. And I think that's the advantage those cornerbacks have with the pass rush. I mean, I know the PFF folks have stressed over the years that, hey, you know, coverage is more important than pass rush. But that's just saying, like, if it had to be one or the other, obviously pass rush can still take over games and you still want as good of a pass rush as you can have and you know we saw that D-line just wreck opponents last year so I think if you take that out it's just going to put a lot of pressure on the rest of the guys to perform I know they have a bunch of talent a linebacker too so maybe that's going to be able to mask a small drop off by the D-line but you know we, we have an offense that is very light on skill position talent outside of George Kittle you know and I guess Mostert with these injuries you know maybe Jimmy G just takes that next step but I know, I do kind of agree with the notion that he wasn't always hyped up to be last year. Just seems like, uh, you know, one of those instances where again and again and again, you know, except for maybe the Patriots once or twice, we do see a Super Bowl hangover from the losers. So, you know, still think the 49ers are going to be anyone's idea of, you know, a very good team, a competitive week in and week out. They could even win the division. But. It's going to be a tough slate. And 10.5, man, just projecting them to go 11-5, a little too steep for me. They seem more like a 10-6, and 9-7 and 7 squad at this point in time. So that's going to do it. Thank you all for listening. I'm Ian Hardis. This is the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Take care, everyone.